0: Good morning everyone. God bless you. Let's stand. We'll read our scripture and then approach the Lord in prayer. John 17 verse 3. I want to speak this morning Sunday school on knowing him is life. And this is life eternal that they might know the, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, and we're so thankful that we know you, Lord. We are so thankful that you've called us and that you've changed us and you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear, uh, not facts and knowledge about you, but knowing you personally and knowing your purposes in our lives, Lord, your plan for us and your plan for your people. In this hour, Lord, we're so thankful for that. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and take your word and make it live in our hearts, Lord. We're, we're so needy, both, both speaker and hearer are so desperately needy. And our desire is that you would come and take your word and write it upon our hearts. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. Knowing him is life. We want to know God in truth. And if, if we misinterpret who God is, or you do not approach him scripturally, you're walking in ignorance, which is okay. Just don't stay there. Or the worst part would be you would be willfully turning away from him or willfully rejecting his revelation of himself. That's where the grave danger is. Ignorance is not as much of a problem as willful rejection. Ignorance, you could say you just need to be taught. You just need to learn. You know, that's what, that's what we do as missionaries. You go into the missions field and you don't assume they know everything. You go and say they have to be taught. And then if they are not, not taking heed to what God is saying, then you bring the rebuke. Uh, God can deal with someone that's ignorant, but someone that willfully refuses to hearken unto the word of the Lord, there's, there's, not, there's no hope. Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 22. Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, Neither let the mighty man in glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So you, you see, this is, what our, this is what our first pursuit should be is knowing him. Brother Branham says this in the um, sermon, uh, The Works That I Do Bear Witness of Me, in 1951. He says, So friends, find divine love and favor with God. Then God, if he finds favor with you, will give his gifts into you. But first, find the giver. Seek the giver. Then the gifts will come as God sees fit to give it to you. Do you believe that? We believe in the gifts. We understand in the scripture that we're told even to covet them and and earnestly desire them. Absolutely. But we don't put that as our God. We put the giver as our God. And we seek him first. And eternal life is not necessarily spiritual gifts, having spiritual gifts. Eternal life is knowing him. You see, what, what Pentecost did and where they went wrong is they got that out of order. And Brother Branham continually rebuked them for that. You're seeking the gifts instead of seeking the giver. And there's a, there's a danger in, in, in getting out of balance because Paul says we are to seek after the gifts, right? But not in lieu of the, the most important thing, right? That's knowing him. Knowing him is eternal life. Matthew 7 tells us you can have gifts and still be lost and go to hell. You can be anointed with the Holy Spirit on your flesh and your human spirit and do and prophesy, cast out devils and heal the sick. And he'll come and say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. But at the same time, these signs shall follow them that believe. So, so again, we get it in the right place, knowing him is eternal life. Not having his gifts, not having his power, not having access to those things is eternal life, knowing him. Then when you know him, and you, you, how do you know him? Theology, human knowledge, opening, opening your Bible and just... Learning what comes from the Bible, that's fantastic. That should, be our, that should be a life pursuit, learning what's in this Bible. God gave it to us not so it would sit on the shelf and we would say, by osmosis, pass this over to me. It's to be opened, it's to be read, it's to be fed upon, it's to be lived by every word. But just having a, a basic human knowledge of what this says is not eternal life. Knowing him eternal life. Knowing him personally. Um, In the sermon Moses in 1950, Brother Branham says, when I made that remark a while ago about education, I wasn't trying to make take crutches for my ignorance. what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't take education to know God. It takes a submissive heart to know God. That's key. A person can have education and be hard And proud, and they can have a Doctor of Divinity degree, and they could argue you up and down from Scripture, but that's not eternal life. That's not knowing Him, that's knowing facts. Uh, Let's just be flat a person can preach this message for 30 years. OK, let's be let's be real. A person can preach this message for 30 plus years. They can grow up in it from the very beginning of it and come to a place where their life shows they never knew the Lord Jesus. So don't think just because you can quote the message and you can quote scripture and you can you, you know this about it and you can spend hours giving a testimony that you don't that that, that that's enough. That's not enough. You have to know him. You have to meet him personally. And, and that's, he, when you meet him personally, that brings a transformation. That brings life. And, and again, this is, on, on a human level, you can be a great kid. You can grow up in a message church. You can do the right things and make the right choices. But God has to come to you. It's not about you coming to God. Once, you, once he comes to you, once he calls you and changes you, then we're told, come to him. But the reality is, you can, you'll can, you never, no man, that, that's John 6, 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Matthew Matthew 7. Verse 21, I'm sorry. Read my mind, Brother Caleb. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, uh uh-oh, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So here in one place he says no one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Here he says people are saying Jesus is Lord and they're lost. So... How do, we, how, do we, how do we see this? How do we understand this? We're, ta- we're talking about genuine salvation. A person, a person can come and mimic what's happening, what's going on. They could say, Jesus is Lord. They said, Jesus is Lord. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, many. He didn't just say a few. He said, this, this is going to be a pandemic. This is going to be an epidemic. This is going to be a large amount of people. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These guys were preachers. They had prayer lines. They had deliverance services. They were anointed. Man, they were, they were on fire. And yet, here Jesus says, You never knew me. You knew facts about me. You knew the fact that I was, they even knew that He's a miracle working God. That isn't enough. What does Jesus put the emphasis on in verse 20? let we'll go back to verse 21. What is His emphasis? He that doeth the will of my Father. What's the will of the Father which is in heaven? The word. You say, well, wait a minute. They were doing the word because it says <laughs> to do miracles and cast out devils. That's not the only word. It's following the word that's been vindicated today. And what did Brother Branham say? A submissive heart to know God. This wasn't a submissive heart. This was a proud heart. They didn't point to Calvary. Right? Did they point to Calvary. They pointed to their own works as justification for their salvation. They're dead. You don't point to your own works. A real believer never points to themselves. How could I point to my own works? As Brother Joe said, go and wipe that toilet and say, here's, here's my good works, Lord. It's a filthy rag. Nothing, what was the prophet's? Nothing in my arm, continuously, he said. Nothing in my arms I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. It's through the blood of Christ that we're saved. And we know from the beginning we could, we, we could not even come to him unless he were drawing me. Acts 16 verse 14 says, A certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. They heard the word preached. Okay, that's good. That's a great start. That's not enough, though. Whose heart the Lord opened, there's what has to happen. Lydia didn't open her own heart. Lydia didn't hear and say, oh, I believe that. She did do that, but that's not the, what really happened. What really happened was God came to Lydia and called her. He opened her heart. So that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. She heard the word, and she didn't just hear it, she attended to it. She obeyed it. She she heard the word and acted in obedience to that word. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved simple verse that every one of us should have memorized from, from, from when we're six years old. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's magnificent, but Paul doesn't stop there. And he says, that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The faith that you're saved by is not your own human faith. It's not what you could believe. Many will say to him, out of their own human faith, out of their own human confession. Lord, Lord, look what we did. Look how we prophesied. Not, not by this one. This one, their faith is a gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't boast and say, I, I have great faith, I just believe, I just believe. I am such a great believer. No, you're not. God changed, changed your heart. God came to you. God opened your heart to receive the word. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is not from you. If it was your faith, you saved yourself. Ultimately, when it comes down to it, it wasn't the cross. It wasn't Christ. It wasn't any of that. It was you, by your own belief, that saved yourself. Boy, that's fickle. I'm so glad I'm not saved by my own faith. I'm so thankful that it was that He came to me. He put a faith in my heart. Why? Because my my reaction is in Romans three. My response to the word was what? Growing up, yeah, I'll get to that later. Yeah, I'll get to that later. I grew up hearing the Bible. I grew up with a mom reading me the Bible. What did I say? Yeah, I believe that. I believe that? I went to do what? Smoke the weed, smoked some weed while I believed it. Somebody came to me, spoke about predestination. Do You believe that? Yeah. Next day I went and smoked marijuana, went to a party and and got drunk. Believing with your own human faith is not going to do it. It's not accomplish anything. God has to come to you. This is a okay, I hate this statement really because it's so trite, a God thing. If your life can be explained by your own human effort and what you do as a, as, a, as, as a good kid, a good message kid, there's a huge problem. God has to, he has to call you, he has to draw you, he has to open your heart, he has to give you the Holy Ghost, and then it's his work that he's doing All along. And you you might say with the Apostle Paul, I labored harder than anybody else. But then you'll come behind that with the Apostle Paul and say, it wasn't me, it was the grace of God in me. If, if, If your life can be explained by your own human effort, you haven't got the life of Christ yet. It's great to be a good person. We love good people. We're thankful for good people. And surely, even if you just sat here, And listen to the message on a human level. It would make you a better person. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. And God's focus is you knowing him. Why did he come down in the form of a pillar of fire and manifest himself and tell the secrets of the heart and show his love and care for every detail through, through that prophet. Why did he do that? Because he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his eternal love. He wants you to know his care for everything about you. He wants you to know that his hand is in every area of your, area of your life, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much trials you're going through, that he is with you. What does David say in Psalm, I love Psalm 139? is not in my notes but we're going to go to Psalm 139 and I'm going to cry for a while <laughs> because I don't remember ever reading Psalm 139 without crying this is the life of a predestinated believer verse 1 you could pull up this is the life of an elected believer whose God, ha, hand, God's hand is on them you might run You might try to hide you might get in a dark place a terrible place but guess what no matter how deep and dark and terrible it is god is right there with you and he knows every detail of your heart you're not hiding anything from him you might hide it from your parents might hide it from your spouse you might hide it from the people at church but you're hiding nothing from god and he still loves you and he loves you so much that he's not going to leave you in that condition. He's going to humble you. The, the The whole world will go on, and they'll preach and they'll do they'll do all these different things. And what do they do? They continue in pride. Why? Because God's this. They don't have Psalm 139 as a reality in their life. Their faith is a human faith, and they might be anointed to do mighty things. But if you're a child of God, God will humble you. God will take care to send you many difficulties and trials to make you more like him. Because that's, that's what he's trying to see. He wants you to know him, know his love, know, know everything about him. Know his power, know his, his, his healing, every attribute he wants to reveal to you. Most of those attributes come by revelation through a life of trials and suffering. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my downsitting and my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. Isn't that incredible? Think about that. God understands you. It's not that he just knows the fact of your thought. He knows it, certainly. He knows everyone's thought before the foundation of the world, before you think it. It's not that. It's that he understands you. He understands what you're going through. He understands the pain you have. And he's there. Thou compassest me my path. In other words... He surrounds, surrounds you. Your path is surrounded and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. Go back to that scripture. That that's such a statement to me. Because you could say, you could say, like a theologian, well, he's just speaking of the omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience of God. We all know that. We do. But that's not just what he's talking about. This is a, a man who lived a life this is a psalm of david who, who who experienced this this is an experience that we're talking about right here that david had was i tried to run from him and he was the path that i was on he was in the front and he was in the back and he was all everywhere around me and no matter where where i went he was there why because he's got a plan and a purpose he's doing something and he wants you to he wants you to know him and he wants other people to know him through your lived life and such knowledge is to, it will make your brain explode and and it should be making us shout and dance because what an incredible thing it's high I cannot we can't have a full comprehension of all that God knows about us how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. Remember, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing you do, nothing you think, nothing. No devil, no experience in life, no, no, no government, absolutely nothing. Not nakedness, not famine, not peril, no trial that could come your way will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Because before the world was ever created, you were already a part of his life. You were his seed gene. And that love is eternal. And that thought that he had of you is eternal. And he's gonna, he, is, he is so zealous. He's so much more zealous than we are. He is zealous to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in your life and in my life, and nothing will stop him. Verse 7, whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? The answer is nowhere. You're not going anywhere. If you're the elect of God and he's called you and he's filled you with his spirit, you're not going anywhere. You might want to go somewhere. God is going to be there. If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be as light unto you, Be, be light about me. Yea, the darkness hides not from thee, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect or not fully formed. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God, depart from me. Therefore, ye bloody men, you see that God's purpose is is never going to be thwarted in your life. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. This is part of knowing this great God, who is your father, he's your daddy. He's the one that's given birth to you. He's the one that ordained for you to be born with the nature and the characteristics that you have in order to accomplish a very specific and important purpose. You say, what could that purpose be? What could I do? Yes, yes, you get it. (laughs) What could I do? What purpose could that be? I don't know what I could do. Probably a whole lot of nothing. But what God can do in your life, if you surrender, if you, it takes a submissive heart to know God. If you have, if God has given you that submissive heart, because that's the thing, you can't give yourself a submissive heart. God has to do that. He gives you that submissive heart. Now, something can be accomplished. Something can be done. His glory can be revealed in your life. This is the life of David. God is continually pursuing him regardless of the behavior of David. Put your name there. This is the life of Jason, of Joe, of Brad, of Debbie, of Zoe, of Rachel. That's that's your life. As much as you might want to get away from God, he'll never let you. He's going to go with you. And his hand is going to be heavy upon you. And he's going to accomplish the purpose that he wants to accomplish. And he is going to mold you. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how terrible you feel, God will never leave you. And he's not going to let you go. And his love will never change. Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. And yet, Lord, having just the fragmentary revelation that we have to see your hand and your leadership and your work in our lives to accomplish exactly what you want to accomplish through us, Lord. And we just lift our hands and say we surrender all We give our hearts to you, Lord. Teach us and guide us, convict us, correct us, and mold us into the image of Jesus Christ, which is your purpose, Lord. Bless the worship, bless the musicians, song leader, bless the preaching of the word, Lord. Be glorified today amongst us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.